Good morning, friends, and welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast. As you can see, this week we've had a little bit of an upgrade, and we're in a beautiful spot overlooking Shell Harbour. I'm thinking next week, and we're going to include a drone as well, and perhaps a sock puppet. If you're joining us for the first time, then a particular welcome to you. It's fantastic to have you with us. For many people, this has been a tough week in uncertain times. And I want to particularly acknowledge those people who have lost their job as a result of the forced closures. Uh, that has a massive impact, both financially, but also emotionally and psychologically. And so we pray for you this week that you might know God's comfort and his peace. I've heard a few times this week that people are talking about what's happening around us as a crisis of biblical proportions. And that's an interesting turn of phrase because it reminds us that as terrible as things are, what we are experiencing is not unique in history. And the God who was sovereign then is the same God who is sovereign now. And so we should be praying for God's mercy. But God has allowed this to happen for a reason. And so we should also be praying that God might use it for our good, that he might use it to refine our faith, that we might grow in character and conviction. And we should pray that God uses it in our community, that it might challenge our perspective and who we are before God. In this podcast, we're going to continue our series in Titus, looking at Titus chapter 3 and what it means to do good in the present as we live with the hope of eternity. We'll also have a time of prayer and a time to catch up with some of our mission partners. And then finally, as if that wasn't enough and you needed more, we have a Sunday morning kids challenge with a memory verse. So I hope you find our time together challenging, encouraging and uplifting. Yeah.
Today's Kids Spot is learning our memory verse. Uh, we've been looking at Titus 3 verse 5 for a few weeks now um, and the challenge was for families to learn it together. Um, some families have done that for us and they have recorded it so that we can enjoy that. Have a listen. He saved us. Not because of the righteous things we've done. But because of his mercy. It's Titus chapter 3 verse 5. He saved us, not because of the righteous things we've done, but because of his mercy. Titus chapter 3 verse 5a. He saved us, not because of the righteous things that we have done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth. And a new life through the Holy Spirit. Titus 3 verse 5! How good is that, hearing families do that memory verse together? So good. Uh, memory verses are a great way to encourage one another in God's word. Let's see how many of us can learn Titus 3 verse 5 in the coming week. G'day, this is Matt Bartlett. I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer. And even though I can't hear you, I'd love it if you joined with me in saying Amen at the end. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the privilege of being able to come to you in prayer as little children do to a loving father, but confident in your power to work in our world. And so Lord, today we wanna to pray for parents and families as we all spend more time together in close proximity than we're probably used to. We pray for parents that they would model themselves off you, their perfect heavenly father. And Lord, for those of us who have school-aged children and have decided not to send them to school, we ask that you would give those parents extra levels of patience and love and trust in your sovereignty. And may this time of homeschooling be a time of joy rather than frustration. We pray for all of your people in our church, uh, and particularly today we pray for Dom, Sadi and Cam Rhodes, for Ian and Helen Renitz, for Liz, Vlad, Ben and Olivia Rostevsky, for Peter Roach, Rosie Roach, and their boys, Thomas, Matthew, Samuel, and Timothy. 
Lord, we pray that you would give us all a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we might know you better. We pray that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened in order that we can see the hope to which you've called us, that being the, the riches of your glorious inheritance for your holy people and your incomparably great power for those of us who believe. Lord, we also pray for those who have lost either a part or all of their job in the, in the past week. Lord, during this period where things are uncertain, uh, we're tempted to panic and fear. Lord, help us to trust in the Lord with all of our hearts, to depend not on our own understanding, but to acknowledge you in all of our ways so that you'd make our path straight. And Lord, for those who have lost their jobs, we, we pray that in trusting you, that they would turn to you and you would hear them and provide for their needs. Lord, we pray for our church services and connect groups as, as we meet in this online way temporarily. And Lord, it's frustrating that we can't be together physically and we're looking forward to when we can join together uh, physically once more. Lord, may this time serve us to remind us that the eternal gathering around your throne is infinitely better than even the best version of church here as we await your return. Uh, Lord, we uh, pray for those who are working in the health system and in emergency services. We pray that you'd give them all courage as they face this crisis on the front line. Uh, give them a level head and keep them safe as they interact with people who are fearful and hurting in our society. And Lord, help us to, the rest of us to love them and to share our appreciation for what they're doing for our greater society. Lord, we also want to remember Amy in our prayers. We, we pray that you'd keep her safe in Argentina through this pandemic. Lord, uh, we pray that, that she would fix her eyes on you and on the living hope that she has in Christ. Lord, we pray that you would help, um, that you'd help her to make the most of this opportunity to share her hope with those who don't know Jesus and that uh, through her witness that many would turn to the Lord. And finally, Father, we pray for our brothers and sisters at Eagle Vale Anglican Church. Uh, we pray for Craig, the senior minister, and Stephen, the, the assistant minister. We pray for Simo and Georgia as they lead the youth and children's ministry, and for Sashi as the Anglicare chaplain. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would empower them by your spirit to love and serve the saints and all people in the Eagle Vale area to your glory. And Heavenly Father, we bring all these things to you, confident that you have heard our prayers and that you'll answer us according to what you know is best. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In a moment, Carolyn Holland is going to read the Bible for us. If you don't have a Bible in front of you, it'd be a great time to press pause, go and grab one, and then join us again. And we'll be reading Titus chapter 3. Titus 3. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always to be gentle toward everyone. At one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. 
But when the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Saviour, so that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things, so that those who have trusted God in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law, because these are unprofitable and useless. Warn a divisive person once, and then warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. You may be sure that such people are warped and sinful. They are self-condemned. As soon as I sent Artemis and Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, because I have decided to winter there. Do everything you can to help Zenus, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way and see that they have everything they need. Our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order to provide for urgent needs and not live unproductive lives. Everyone with me sends you greetings. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Hi and uh, welcome. I hope you're well and uh, thank you for joining us uh, for this new social distancing kind of church. Uh, I'm Andrew Monk and today we're going to look at uh, the last in our series on Paul's letter to his protege Titus. Uh, I'm going to focus particularly on Titus 3, 1-8 uh, and it'd be great if you can have a Bible open with you uh, at this passage as we consider it together. Uh, in all the coronavirus news and the problems it's causing, it's been really encouraging, hasn't it, to hear the stories about how people are really pulling together, uh, looking out for their neighbours, uh, starting Facebook groups to help uh, find people who uh, are in need and, and uh, get people to get in touch with them uh, because they can't get out. Uh, unfortunately, it's often the case that it takes a disaster like this for us to really get uh, to be kind to one another. Uh, but even now, there are still those who, well, it's hard to be kind to, isn't there? Uh, there are those who refuse to follow government directions about social distancing, or who continue to hoard the basic essentials, leaving nothing for anybody else. Uh, and there are those who, people who, you, you just don't get on with them. Uh, you know, the complaining neighbour who uh, never has anything good about to say about anyone, or that family uh, that's always having loud, foul-mouthed arguments in the middle of the night, uh, or that person who, well... <laughs> They're just really a piece of work. Uh, we don't mind doing good to the nice people around us, the friendly people who will acknowledge what we've done. But when it comes to doing good to the not-so-nice people, to the ungodly people, well, that's a rather different matter, isn't it? But as Paul writes to Titus, he tells him to remind the people in his church that they are to always be gentle toward everyone. Uh, the idea here is that we're to be genuinely generous, perfectly courteous to all people. Now, it's quite a big ask, isn't it? Uh, and so we need to look carefully at why Paul tells us this and uh, the motivation he gives us for doing it as, uh, as we can put it into practice. 
and we find that in Titus 3, 1 to 8. Uh, so I have that open, and as we look at that passage, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, as we open your word together today, please speak to us through it. May my words be true to your word and helpful for us. By your Holy Spirit, apply your word into our hearts today, that we may be strengthened in you and please you in all that we do. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in verse 3, Paul begins to explain why, as Christians, we particularly are to be generous, genuinely, to everybody, including those who aren't Christians. And we see that there are both similarities, uh, but also profound differences to the reasons most other people give for offering help. So for the charity-minded people in society, we should help others, because basically we're all the same, aren't we? Yeah, we could be the one needing help, and so we should offer that help to those who are in need now. Uh, it's usually linked to the idea that uh, if we do good to others, then good will come back to us, you know, good karma. It's a bit more difficult to use this argument for those people who really don't seem to deserve our help, but we make excuses for them, don't we? You know, their bad behaviour, well, it was really just a lapse of judgement, uh, or a brain snap, uh, or it's the result of their upbringing and, uh, in difficult circumstances. It isn't really their fault. Deep down, we're really all good people who deserve one another's help. But Paul's assessment here, while it agrees in many ways that we're the same as one another and we do need to help each other, the assessment of what we're really like is very different. And so Paul's description in verse 3 of what people are like without Christ, well, it's not really a pretty picture. He says, We're foolish, disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We live in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. It's a description that rings so true to our own experience of the people that we rub shoulders with day by day, doesn't it? If they don't, didn't do such foolish things like drink too much or, uh, or waste their money on gambling, then they wouldn't need our help. And people are so disobedient. Not only are people willing to disregard the laws of the land and speed or fudge their tax return or disregard social distancing rules, but they completely ignore God's rules as well. They're so self-absorbed with their own passions and pleasures, as Paul puts it, that they're really enslaved to them. They don't see that their desire for that top job or, or with all its power and prestige is causing their marriage to break down. Or, or their focus on making sure that they have more toilet paper than they could ever possibly use prevents them from being generous to others. Why should we be generous towards people like that when they show their openly non-Christian lifestyle that they really don't deserve it? And it's not just their lifestyle that's so undeserving of our courtesy. It's how they treat people, including how they treat us. Paul says they're full of malice and hate. They can't show common courtesy to us. Why should we show perfect courtesy to them? Be kind to some people and they'll simply use it as a, an opportunity to knife you in the back. They'll accuse you of trying to buy your way into their good books or, or only doing it because it helps you. Their world is so filled with hatred that they expect everyone to hate them as much as they hate everyone else. And therefore, they're simply unable to receive a purely generous action. They don't deserve it and are likely to throw it back in our face if we gave it to them. Well, Paul knew only too well that people who aren't followers of Jesus can be very hard to get on with 
he faced more than enough opposition to know that. He knew that by and large, people don't deserve to be treated with kindness. But the barb in Paul's description of what people are like is that he's actually describing us. And so verse 3 begins, At one time, we too were just like this. Now hopefully we can see the effect of God's work in our life so that we aren't completely like this anymore. But there was a time when we did live the ungodly life of those without Christ. For some of us, that's harder to remember than for others. Some people have had the real blessing of being brought up so that they've always had a relationship with Jesus. Others have been following Jesus for so long it's hard to remember what we were like before we put our trust in him. But even now, we still know the thoughts that come into our minds, the struggle we have to obey or to be generous to others. If we are honest with ourselves, we know that deep down, we can be just as malicious and hateful and selfish as anyone else. We must not fall into the devil's trap of thinking that somehow we are better than other people, that we are more deserving of God's love. When we're tempted to look at other people and think that we're better than them, we need to be able to say with all honesty, there but for the grace of God go I. Because it's only as we recognise that we are the ones who don't deserve generosity and courtesy that we can truly appreciate the wonder of how God treats us, the undeserving, which Paul goes on to explain in verse 4. And there he says, but when the kindness and love of God, our Saviour, appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. God has shown his kindness and his love to you by sending Jesus to die for you. Because of what we were like, we were headed for a certain eternity without God. And yet God saves us. It seems so basic. It's something we've heard so many times. But in all the uncertainty that surrounds us at the moment, can there be anything more wonderful, more reassuring, more comforting than to know that God has saved you? There really is nothing better than that. And because it becomes even more amazing when we see that it's not because of anything we deserved. It wasn't because of righteous things we'd done, but simply because of God's mercy to us. You know, we often find it hard to understand why God doesn't save everyone. But you know what's really inexplicable? It's that God chooses to save any of us at all. But not only has God saved us, but he's also changing us. Uh, I alluded to it before, that if we can see any difference between ourselves and the people around about us, it's only because God is working in us. God has saved us through the washing of new birth. We've been washed clean of our old way of life and been given a fresh start. And it's not just a chance to have our time over again, because God has generously poured his Holy Spirit into our hearts so that we have the renewal work of God's Spirit going on in our life. The kindness and love of God really has appeared. We have been justified by grace. 
God has given us the complete opposite of what we deserved. Instead of judgment and condemnation, God has given us his forgiveness and the certain hope of eternal life. That is how God has treated us, the undeserving. And therefore, Paul calls on us to do the same. And so he says in Titus, uh, he tells him, stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. See, we're not to treat others the way they treat us. And in fact, we're to go even further than doing unto others as that we would have them do unto us. We are to do to others as God has done to us. We're to take the kindness and love that we've received from God and we're to show it to those who are still what we were, in fact, what we still are, undeserving. And so now if we go back to verses 1 and 2, we see just a few of the ways that we're to show this kindness and love. Uh, as Christians, we should be model law-abiding citizens because we know that God has placed these rulers over us. When we're told that we couldn't physically meet at church last week, uh, at the time it might have seemed a bit of an overreaction. But now that the government has uh, increased the social distancing requirements and specifically ruled out meeting together in churches, isn't it a good thing that our Archbishop responded to the Prime Minister's phone call and had already told us to meet in other ways? We are ahead of the game in obeying and doing good for our community. God's word here tells us that we're to be ready to do whatever is good, whatever good thing needs doing. Christians should be at the very forefront of the relief effort that will be needed as people lose their jobs and can't get to the shops. Who are the neighbours you could be helping at this time? Even if you haven't spoken to them for, you know, wear your mask, knock on the door and then stand back, but ask if you can help. Even those people you don't like. And don't slander anyone or speak badly about them. Oh yeah, I'll come to you, but I won't go to that neighbour. Uh, even if they've treated you badly. Instead, we are to be peaceable and considerate. That is, we're to try to get on with others. We should be willing to forgive them and show them the same graciousness that God has shown to us. And then as we do this, be gentle. Show the genuine generosity and the perfect courtesy that comes from knowing that we have received God's kindness and love, even when we didn't deserve it. Now is a time when we need to be kind and considerate to others. We need to show genuine generosity. And as Christians, we have a profound and compelling reason for doing this. We have received the kindness and love of God and we are to show that to those around about us. So let me pray for us that we will indeed be able to share God's love and kindness with those around us who don't yet know his love. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for showing your kindness and love so incredibly to us in Jesus. Even though we don't deserve it, you saved us. 
You've given us your Holy Spirit and you're bringing us to your internal inheritance. Help us at this time as we face the challenge of very difficult times to keep being encouraged and strengthened by your love for us, that we might be true light and hope to those around us. Help us to show the love and kindness you've shown to us in the way that we help others. And through all of this hardship, might your name be praised and your will be done. Amen. As a church, we support the Forrest family who are doing ministry in Amman, Jordan, as well as Amy Stevens in Argentina and the Sparks family in Spain. And in a moment, we'll hear from the Sparks family and just have an update and see how they're going. Hi everyone from Hijon. Uh, we wanted to do a visual newsletter this time rather than a written one uh, so that you can see us and, and we can tell you a little bit more information of what's going on here at the moment in Hijon. We're on day eight today of quarantine, of being inside. Uh, the only reason we can go outside is to go to the supermarket for food essentials and to take the rubbish down to the bin. Uh, and you can walk a dog if you if you have one. We don't have one. Um, so we've had uh, a schedule going this week. Everyone's very glad it's Friday. We've had lots of schoolwork, extra English work, some uh, exercise, some jobs, and lots of games. And just to give you an idea, Spain is one of the worst affected countries by the coronavirus at the moment. Um, obviously, Italy is is up there, and and uh, behind that uh, is Spain. We've got over 20,000 cases of people who are infected at the moment and uh, as of yesterday a thousand people had actually died uh, as a cause of the coronavirus. But more than that, the, the great danger at the moment in the way, is the way it's increasing exponentially. So of those a thousand people who have died, uh, 250 of those were yesterday. So we're quarantined to try and bring that curve back to a normal curve so that the uh, hospitals can keep up with things, uh, but it is quite uh, a significant thing that Spain is dealing with at the moment. So we don't know whether we're going to be at home for another week or another few weeks. Hey, I'm Kai. Um, my favourite thing about the quarantine is that um, the classes are shorter and we get to watch more TV than, you, than usual. And I don't really like the quarantine because we can't, can't go outside. Hi, I'm Joe. Um, we're in quarantine, and I'm. I, don't, I like the quarantine because we have. Um, we get to do stuff in the afternoon, like watch TV that we wouldn't be able to do if we had normal school or a normal week. And um, I don't like it because we have to stay inside and we don't get to watch football. And I do like it also because we the classes aren't as intense. Bye. Hi, my name is Finn and I'm enjoying the quarantine a little because the class is way shorter and I'm enjoying it because we can't go downstairs and... So it is an extraordinary time and, uh, and as such the ministry opportunities are quite unique as well. So for me that's been even more WhatsApp than usual, um, the chance for people to have conversations, particularly in groups, bringing things up into the conversation that maybe wouldn't normally be there, uh, people reaching out and getting in touch that haven't been in touch with for a while uh, and getting to talk about deeper things 
and also occasionally phone calls, which is a novelty these days. We can't visit people, we can't sit and meet with them, to read the Bible with them, to disciple them. And so all of our efforts are now going into providing opportunities for people to connect with God uh, through online services. Uh, back in November of last year, we set up a web page with a Facebook page and an Instagram account uh, where we're trying to filter for people who might be open uh, to engaging with God, to discovering God. So we're trying to make the most of those opportunities right now. And we're right at the point of launching an application, a mobile application, where people can download to their phones a copy of the text that we use that takes them from creation to Christ, where they can study those in their families while they're locked in their houses. And we're right at the point of launching that now. That's actually really exciting. It's a very interesting time. I guess you guys are, are just about to have things start to change quite quickly and quite uh, intensely. Uh, so let's not give in to fear, which is always a temptation. Uh, let's remember that we're not people of fear and let's just keep going with our desire to, to love Jesus and love others and keep up with our responsibilities, whatever they are, whether it's keeping up with your compassion child or giving to church or loving your neighbour. Um, and let's look for the opportunities that God has for us at this time. Bye everyone. Bye. Bye. That's it for our podcast this morning. It'd be great if you could now come across to Facebook and join us and make a comment because we do want to be encouraged personally, but we also want to encourage one another. So if you go on, have a read at other comments, but also make your own comment, just acknowledging that you're there. As I finish, let me finish with the words of the grace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.